Welcome to the Third City Christian Church Podcast. This week's message is The Greatest Gift, Part 3, Frankincense, Worship. Recorded Sunday, December 18th, 2022. If you have a story about how God is working in your life, please let us know by sending an email to podcast at thirdcityc.org. Now here's Scott with today's message. Maybe you've been to one of those um, white elephant parties, you know what I'm talking about? I was at one on last Sunday night. It's our small group. It's usually fun, you know. There's some interesting artifacts that you, you know, you, you, you go into one of your closets and you go back about three layers, four layers, and you, you see something, you go, I can just give them this, you know. And so you got some junk that's jumping back in the back. You, you get it out. It's kind of a crapshoot, you know, that. We had the white elephant exchange, like I said, with my small group. And, you know, to be honest, usually I'm usually pretty underwhelmed by what comes up, but not this time. Oh, no. Every once in a while, every once in a while, you open the bag and something emerges that is mind-altering. It, it, it makes you rethink about reality and what's real in the realm of, of the extravagant and the special. And that's exactly what I got. Let me show you my white elephant gift. Look at this. Oh, no, there's more. You think that's it? No? Watch this. You can do things. Isn't that amazing? Now, admittedly, sometimes you receive a gift and you just kind of wonder what's behind it, not with this. I mean, and it's been well established that these wise men we've been talking about for the last few weeks, they brought some kind of quirky gifts. They brought gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now, uh, so, by the way, somebody pointed this out. Had women shown up at the manger instead of the man, if there had been wise women, they would have asked for directions, arrived on time, helped deliver the baby, cleaned the stable, made casseroles, and brought diapers and wet wipes. <laughs> Can I hear amen on that? Yeah, yeah. That being said, who are these magi and why were they so quirky? Well, the fact is they were most likely from what is now Iraq, they were considered some of the great people of their, of their culture. They were professors and the philosophers of their day. They, they were probably very educated. They were educated in medicine and in history and in religion and prophecy and astronomy and astrology. Back then, astrology was a way that people connected their search for God. And so they weren't kings themselves. They were king makers, men who... who who were supporting the kingdoms that they, that they, that they were a part of. And so they were, they were people who, quite frankly, you might not think would make a thousand-mile journey through the desert. But they'd seen a clear sign about a baby being born in Judea. And they didn't know his name. They really didn't know where to find him, so they did what you might expect. They went to the capital city of that, of that nation, Jerusalem, and they went to the palace of the king to look for him. And I think you know how that whole thing went. It was a real Game of Thrones type experience where, where Herod was not so keen on this new king, didn't know anything about him, and was very threatened by him. And so he tried to set these wise men up to go find the baby. And once they did, he, would, he said, I'll, I'll come worship him too. And we know how that was going to turn out. He wanted to eliminate Jesus. But as far as the Magi were concerned, Jesus possessed more royalty stumbling around as a toddler 
than Herod did in his stunning fancy palace and robes and all the trappings of being a king. The wise men went to worship the true king. And of course, we know this in retrospect, but somehow these wise men saw beyond the present, beyond the moment, and they saw what was to come. And it was because of the signs that they read that this baby would be worshipful for all mankind. And so I wonder, though, if they were a little underwhelmed when they showed up where Jesus was. This is probably about two years after his birth, by the way. I mean, he really didn't look like a king, probably. His family certainly didn't seem like royalty. They weren't in a palace. His home was far from a palace. He didn't have a royal court. He didn't even have, you know, a station of of army soldiers around him to protect him. There was nothing there that commanded that he was any kind of royalty. To the outward eye, as a matter of fact, he was anything but. You know, as you may know, we, some of us went to Kenya a couple of weeks ago, we got back, but I still have mental images of the area that we visited uh, where our school is being built. And, and the wise men in their caravan finding Jesus in our day might be like a delegation from America rolling down the narrow streets of the slums in a line of black SUVs and pulling up to one of the shanties and, and all getting out with boxes and packages and, and finding a toddler, and there are many of them, believe me, many of the toddlers who are just out in the streets, and finding a toddler and just bowing before that child. When, when the wise men met Herod, they, they didn't make any effort to worship him. He craved it. But when they got to Jesus, they bowed before him. Now, most of us in this building today, or if you're joining us online, most of us would relate to the Magi more than we would to Jesus and his family. Because we're people who have some wealth. We are people who have some means. And, and, and those powerful and influential men didn't sneak into town and go unnoticed. Believe me, they were noticed. And it's kind of like what we experienced when we were there in Kenya too. It's just that, you know, when we show up, we're noticed because we're different. And I think that happened with them. They found Jesus. They bowed down. They worshiped. And I so loved the contrast. And then this, the action for which these wise men or magi are most remembered for. It's Matthew 2.11. Then they opened their treasure chests and gave them gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now, that, that was certainly nothing new. Like if there were a king that was being honored in their day, just like today, that, that child would be lavished with presents and gifts. I mean, if, you know, if there was a new king that was being born in England, there probably is sometime in the next, whatever, you know, there'd be all kinds of gifts that would pour in. But as you know, they didn't bring a year's supply of diapers, wipes, or pip-pee-pop the baby suit, or some magnificent birdie that, oh, magnificently just balances on the tip of your finger like some kind of magic mesmerizing. I just can't get enough of it. Can you? It's just amazing. Anyway, it wasn't something like that. Uh, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now, what is that all about? Gold. Well, it represents that he's a king of wealth and power. Uh, Jesus would be the most powerful of all 
kings eventually. And, 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 you know, you can say that gold is the best gift because, you, you know, you could always use some gold in your portfolio, right? Especially now. So some of you grandpas are like, yeah, give the kids C- CDs on, on, their, on Christmas. That's all they need. And for, the, for those of you who are, are Gen Zers or millennials, CDs, you can look it up. You'll figure it out. But some people just like to give money, right? So, but that's not what this is all about. This is about the symbolism of power and wealth that the true king of the universe demands. And then frankincense, why frankincense? Well, frankincense is the purest of incense, and it represents the purity and perfection that this person brings to our world. And as you know now, looking back, we know that Jesus was the sinless perfection of God on earth. And then myrrh, myrrh is a perfume that's made out of the leaves of a rose. You mix it in vinegar, it becomes an anesthetic, and it's, in the first century, it was used, as you probably know, for embalming bodies. And that's representative of his mission, his mission to give his life for us. So gold points to his majesty and power. Frankincense points to his perfection and his purity. And then myrrh to his mission, his mission to save us, the embalming of his burial, which represents him giving his life for us. Did the wise men understand the deeper meaning of those? I really doubt it. But God arranged those gifts so that now for centuries we can get the point. And the point is that Jesus is God. He's pure and perfect. And he came to die for his people. And he is now the King of kings and the Lord of lords forever and ever. Amen. 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 Now, Matthew wraps up the story with these words. When it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route, for God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. Now, what a story. I mean, if I were going to summarize this story and and this experience in one word, the word would be worship. The word is worship. And there's several truths about worship that we learn from these magi. several aspects about worship. And the first one is this. Worship begins with with seeing. With with seeing. It says they saw his star as it rose. It began with a vision that they had identified a a visible star that not everyone saw. Let's face it. Like, I I think they surprised Herod and his geniuses in the palace when they mentioned it. They didn't seem to know anything about it until they researched it. And so I think possibly for us, maybe the parallel for at least for me is, it's possible to see things for so long that you just kind of stop noticing anything. I think that's possible to do with Christmas. Where, you know, we're so used to what it is and what it's become and however it is for you. It's just, you've got this scenario built around Christmas that... For whatever reason, we, we see the real signs that exist because we've gotten so used to it. And I would ask you as we're going into this season, what are you seeing? What are you, you know, what are you thinking about? What are you exposing your thinking to in your mind? What are you looking to or who, who are you looking to for validation and for affirmation? What are you allowing your kids to look at? What kind of images are you placing on them during this season? 
I would just encourage you to open your eyes to his, to his truth and see him during this time. See what specifically he wants you to see at Christmas time. Open your eyes to what he's doing right now, how he's moving, and how he's drawing you to him. His grace, his mercy, his greatness, his goodness. All of that's being manifest if you'll allow yourself to see it. Worship begins with seeing, but you can't stop there. If you do, you won't go anywhere. Worship requires then seeking. It says this in verse 2, we saw the star and we came to worship him. They, they sought him. Jeremiah chapter 29, 13 says, you will seek me and find me. When you seek me with all your heart, I will be found by you. He puts that on you and me. You know, yeah, yeah, he came and we can see him, but he expects us to seek him. That's our response to him. Jesus said, if you seek, you will find. Worship requires seeking. But it breaks down for many of us there. We get a glimpse of God. We see a sign that he exists, but we quickly use, lose interest. We, you know, we, we, don't, we don't search for him. The question is, what are you doing to seek him? These advisors that Herod summoned, they, he wanted to find out about this, of course, so he told them, he told them about the baby, and they said, here's where he will be born. And, 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 and they quoted from the scripture, in Bethlehem and Judea, they said, for this is what the prophets wrote. So they, 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 they identified the place to look. They just didn't go any further. I think there's something to be seen there, too. The, the Magi, they, they identified where to find him in the Scripture, and then they continued to seek him. Jesus said this, A time is coming and now has come when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in the spirit and in truth. I mean, over the years, I have found that seeking God leads me to Scripture and especially the words of Jesus. It, it is what Jesus says that propels worship. It, it's what he states and it's what he teaches. I was talking to a person recently who just had a whole string of bad things happen. A person who, I, I mean, I can't believe some of the stuff they've had to deal with in the last year. And I said, how are you doing it? And in a sense, they said, well, I, I, I have, could never have made it this far without God speaking to me all the way through it. Like, you know, coming to church and listening to the messages from the book of Mark, which is what we studied in the last year. And being a part of a small group that opens the scriptures and, 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 and just hearing what God has to say to get me to the next thing, get me through it. He's spoken to me all the way, they said. And that's seeking. And the question is, are you seeking? Now, worship is also expressed by submission. They entered the house, it says, and saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down in the, in, you know, in the physical status of submission. They bowed down and worshiped him. Bowing down, and I'm talking about not just the physical action, although there's, that's okay too, but bowing down is, is, a, is a status of respect and, and ultimate submission. 
It's acknowledging that the one that stands before you or sits before you or whatever their status is, is much greater than you are. And this is America where we struggle the most. Because we don't want to think anyone's greater than us. I'm not talking about the nation now. I'm talking about the person, you and me. It's the status of submission that we struggle with. It's when I say, God, you are in charge. I'm not. Jesus, you are perfect and your ways are the ways to go, not mine. Lord, your purpose, not my agenda. That's probably a good thing to say every morning when you get up. You're in charge, not me. Your perfect way, not my flawed ones. Your purpose, not my agenda. So, so we see where their submission was in play because it says when it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route, the route that Herod had not told them to go, but another route, for God had warned them a dream to not return to Herod. They obeyed God, not the sitting king of Judea. Why another route? Why take that route? You know you are worshiping when you're taking his route, when you're going his way. We see it in the submission. And so a good barometer of your worship is to ask this question. When God is directing you to take a certain route or even, even another route, will you take it? Or will you just go where you want to go again? Will you just do what you want to do? Will you just do it your way? Jesus asked a really good question. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? See, any time, every time you submit to God, every time you do what he says, every time you live how he calls you to live, that is worship. Any time you forgive someone who's hurt you, that's worship. Any time you forego your pride and anger, and instead of getting retribution on an enemy, you pray for them, that's worship. Anytime you bring your comfort to a hurting person through your presence, through your, through your generosity, through your prayers, that's worship. Anytime you use your abilities and hand them to him in ministry, that's worship. Every time I make a moral choice in alignment with his word, that's an act of worship. Every time I sacrifice personally and give up something that I desire to bring something to him, that's worship. Worship is the posture of my life. It's not just an activity in a building. It's how I live it out. And whenever I refuse to submit to what God says, that's rebellion. Rebellion is what got us in trouble in the first place. Rebellion is turning my back on God and living my life the way I want to live it. And it's the ultimate sign of disrespect. And so let me give you one more action point on worship. Worship involves or responds with sacrifice. Sacrifice. It says they opened their treasure chest and they gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. They were very expensive gifts, by the way. And we've been highlighting the efforts of our congregation to build an elementary school in Nairobi, Kenya. And a lot of sacrifice by many, many of you have gone into that. We're just so thrilled that you know, well over 350 people in our church, are, are 300 children are sponsored from people in our church. So they can go to school, they can, they can eat food, and they can, they can have safety when they're in school. And it's a beautiful thing. 
And uh, it, your sacrifice makes that happen. And many of you are giving in other ways too, and you're ministering to children there. And I just want you to know it's making a huge difference. And, and I could sit here all day long and tell you about it, and believe me, it would pale in comparison to the voices that come from the children that you're loving. So I wanted you to hear from Precious. That's her name. Watch this. On stage is Precious Hope from Great for Blue, ready to present to you a poem entitled Forever We Are a Family. Welcome. Third City Christian Church. Part of you live in us and we are joined like a family. Not in blood and not in name. Different years and yet the same. Join in cross and common voice, knowing that there is a choice to share what you have and donate it to supporters so they may live their lives again. We were strangers but now a family. Forever joined and not by choice, but by divine connection. You heard our cry, a cry for love, a cry for life. So hope we may live eternally. Know that I am grateful for the life you gave to me. May your life give us light wherever we may be, and may your life give us comfort as you help us command change. My life shall shine a light. So all can witness the profound transformation you brought to us. Nothing is more important than the empathy for another human suffering. And as you continue to grow, we hope to see you mind more. They say in every library has the books that can answer the questions that birth require. And so we hope to stay free. All in God's name. Thank you for our wings, our angels with no wings. Thank you. Couple things. They they dance a lot there. And somebody asked me from the staff when they saw a video like that, are you gonna dance like that on stage? I said, Well someone gives a hundred thousand dollars to build our school, I'll do that little jig right there. But other than that, forget it. I'm not doing it, all right? Here's the thing. Again, it goes back to sacrifice, and many of you are, and so I want to thank you, and I can't thank you enough. And it's not just in Kenya, but, you know, it's everything that we do here to, to reach out to kids and families, which is a lot right here in Grand Island, in our area. It's who we are. It's, in, it's, it's the way we do things. But when it comes to our God, you can't separate sacrifice from worship. And somebody said, worship that costs nothing for the most part means nothing. And I, I think that's true. In fact, the very first time the word worship is ever used in the Bible is in the context of a huge sacrifice that was being asked by God to Abraham. And he, and he wanted to test Abraham's commitment. And he said, I want you to sacrifice your son Isaac, who was my gift to you. And he tested Abraham, and Abraham passed the test. And God would never have allowed that anyway, but the fact is, Abraham was ready. In Romans chapter 12, 1, it says, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. And these magi, they set the stage for what that looks like. But there's another response. And we, we can't talk about them if we don't talk about the other guys. We just can't. The contrast is too clear. There were the the scribes and the Pharisees who opened the scriptures and said, oh yeah, here's the sign. 
this is what it says. And then they went their own merry way. They didn't even acknowledge Jesus. And then, of course, there's the hostility of Herod, who actually murdered children, hoping to eliminate Jesus as a threat. I know that, you know, you don't have a murderous heart, and I don't think you probably have a dismissive heart, but there's something about that. There's something about whether or not you're going to respond with the right kind of heart. And only you can make that decision. No one here can do that for you. You can't be compelled to do it. There's nothing I can do to make you worship God. Nothing. If I could, I would, but I can't. Because I know what it means for you, if you will. But worship begins with seeing the signs. And you're here today for a reason. God has made himself available to you today. He's letting you know that he has come and that he is here. Don't let the darkness of this world blind you from him. The stars in the sky, the signs are visible. Do you see him? That's the question. Will you come to know him? Will you seek him? Come after him? Will you look into his word and hear his voice? If you're like most, you want to know him better, you don't know where to start, and so one of the things that our church offers to you is a starting place. We call it Rooted. And Rooted is a place that many, many people have started their journey with God once they realize God is real for them. And so we want to invite you into that. Stop out of the hub and and get more information on Rooted because the signs are there, but you need to seek him. And here's the question. Are there some areas in your life where you need to submit to him? Are there any hurts that are keeping you afraid and even bitter? And it's a barrier between you and the forgiveness of Jesus because you're just angry or you're hurt You have habits that you've formed that are squeezing the freedom and joy out of your life and out of the life of the people that you love. Maybe you have some hang-ups that you have about Christ and Christianity, and so you're saying, well, if that's what Christ... Look, Christ is different than Christianity, okay? Now, Christianity has a place, and it's a good thing when it's right. But sometimes barriers arise because you misunderstand Christianity or because Christians have made you misunderstand. It's time for you to let go and let God be the Christ of your life. It's time for you to confess that he is God and and that he offers you new life. And then worship has a response, and that response is sacrifice. Sacrifice is when I personally say, God, here I am. You can have all of me. My life is yours. My time I'm going to set my clock by your clock. My talents, I'm going to recognize, maybe for the first time in your life, you're going to recognize that he gave you those gifts so that you can worship him by using them to his glory. Your treasure, whatever it is that he puts in your hands, that's your treasure. And the question is, will you seek him and offer treasure to him that worships him? That's sacrifice. We're going to commune together. This is something that Christians do in churches all over the world. We choose to commune together every week. And there's a lot of reasons why we do that. One is because the scripture says that the early Christians did that. And we try to do what the early Christians did in the, in the right ways. 
in the, in the things they did that were the right things. And one of the things they did was to come to this point where they pause in the service and they remember him. They remember the gift that God gave through Jesus. So we're going to do that together. And if you believe in Jesus and you're a follower of his, we invite you to commune with us as we do so. And then we also, as you know, we offer opportunities for you to be generous during our services. This is about the only time we have a chance to communicate to you about those things during our services. And so we try not to be overbearing with that because we want God to do the work in your heart. We don't want to do it. And we think he does. We think he's really good at it. But if there's something you can do generously to help us finish out the year in a good way so that we can do all we can do to serve our community and to build our school in Nairobi and to do the many other things in the world that we're, that we're drawn to as a church, your generosity will make a huge difference. And we thank you in advance for that. So we're going to pray, then we're going to commune, and then we're going to continue in our worship of song after we, after we move forward with this service. Lord, we're grateful because you show us what true worship is. And these, these magi, I mean, I'm sure they were as baffled in many ways as we are about the great gift of God through Jesus that you put into this world, the things that you've done to draw us to you in salvation. And yet they were responsive to you. They saw you. They sought you. Uh, they, they sacrificed for you. Uh, they, they were willing, Lord, to, to get past some hurts, habits, and hang-ups to submit to you. And so, Lord, in this moment of communion, we're just saying to you in a very simple way, we trust you, and we're going to walk forward with you. We're going to continue to seek you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Third City Christian Church Podcast. Please join us for one of our worship services at 9, 10, 15, or 11.30 a.m. in Grand Island and at 10, 15 a.m. in Broken Bow on Facebook Live and at thirdcityc.online.church each Sunday. For more information about Third City Christian Church, send email to podcast at thirdcityc.org. Call us at 308-384-5038 or visit us online at thirdcityc.org.